everybody. Welcome to the Resimply podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Barnes. We have an awesome guest today, Brian Driscoll. How you doing, sir? Doing well, man. Thanks for having me. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, just another beautiful day out over here in the uh, in Charleston. Excited to have you on today. Excited to talk uh, marketing. We haven't talked a lot of that today, or we haven't talked a lot of that on our podcast so far. So excited to dive deep into that. Um, Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what you got going on. All right, so I'm up here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, right? About me, geez, I'm 43 years old, I got a family, but uh, I'm an investor, and I do digital marketing. So I got into investing, I got into investing, you know uh, Ron Legrand? I do, yeah. All right, so I got into investing uh, back in like 1998, I think it was. My dad took me to a seminar. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was, I was like 18 years old sitting in the room they got me in the back of the room pulled out my credit card paid 1800 bucks for a course which is a ton of cash for me you know what i mean yeah and then uh i got into real estate and i failed like crazy failed didn't didn't did, i got a whole bunch of people calling me from our newspaper ads and i didn't know what to do with them so it just didn't work out right so then probably about 2002 i got into digital marketing i got in uh i started doing seo and i got involved with a platform called odesk which now is upwork and I was yeah. just consulting for people and uh, doing SEO for them. I started like 20 bucks an hour. And then I started getting really busy. So I kept raising my rate and I ended up getting pretty good at it and had like larger clients. I was building like 150, $200 an hour uh, for like national e-commerce and things like that. And uh, that turned into starting an agency. It was a general agency, like e-commerce and lead gen for all different types of businesses. Well, I got back into real estate probably about 10 years ago and bought my first property and uh, I saw the wholesale fee. I'm like, geez, man, this is crazy. With the deal still made sense with that fee. So don't, wholesale fees are all right. I'm just wondering, I was thinking with my skill set, I wonder if I could stick up a website and generate my own leads. So I stuck up a website, threw some traffic to it and we crushed it, right? So I got with my uh, I mean, my now business partner, but he was my buddy, Chad Keller. We're like, hey dude, let's see if we can do something here. We both stuck like a grand into ad spend, built a landing page and started trying to generate leads for motivated uh, for motivated leads, which is the agency we started. And we started getting investors that wanted to sign up and it turned into a full-blown agency. And we pivoted both of our agencies. We pivoted to motivated leads and that's what we do today. That's super cool. So you you got in this space some real early with your dad bringing into a seminar. Now, was your dad in real estate prior or was, was it both you guys like brand new into it? Yeah, my dad, he dabbles. Like he, he has a couple properties. He, he just does it on the side. It's totally passive. He's got about four properties there and um but he's always been intrigued with real estate too and i'm like i was in the car listening like when I, I remember when i was younger i'm listening to tony robbins falling asleep and zig ziglar like on a, he was always listening to those on the cassette tapes so I, I got introduced to that kind of stuff at a, a young age gotcha that's awesome i hope i hope that my kids pay attention to to all the stuff that i listen to and do because they do understand house flipping now at four and seven like they they We'll, we'll go look at one like, daddy, is this a house that you're going to renovate and sell? Yeah. So um, I think it's super cool. But uh, you got into the digital space. And so when you say you were just general SEO for, for anybody that would hire you? Yeah, when I started, it was just anyone who would hire me. Like I had a jewelry client. We had uh, t-shirt businesses, auto garages, HVAC. Like SEO is just ranking the search engine. So it doesn't, I, I wasn't really niche specific, right? Gotcha. Um, so it's just basically anybody, you know? How hard was it learning different? Was it difficult kind of going from niche to niche, you know, bouncing around or? No, no, SEO is not, it's not necessarily like that because SEO is more keyword driven. So as long as you find out, okay, what are the specific phrases 
that people are searching to find this type of business, then you opt gotcha. like you're optimizing all the sites similar ways. It just you have to tweak each one of the industry. Gotcha. Okay. And so then, so you did that for sounds like maybe ten years. Kind of you built your agency, mm -hmm. um, kind of throughout, and then you started generating leads for yourself. And, you know, just kind of see what happened, and then y'all built your your company that you have now. Yeah, and you and know what? It just interrupted too. When we were when we were generating leads for ourselves, I was getting leads all over Pittsburgh, and I only buy in one zip code, so I couldn't do anything with them. So what I did is I hooked up with I went onto the Facebook group in Pittsburgh. Like, hey guys, does anyone here want leads? And we'll do a JV split. And I got a couple guys that came in and it didn't work out, but then I found one guy, his name was Dustin. And I just started sending him leads and it worked out really well on that side too. So that that happened actually be right at the early stages of motivated leads, trying to prove the model. Gotcha. And so I've, I've heard that model work, still works to this day where people are good at generating leads, but they don't like sales. And they partner with somebody who likes sales that doesn't like to motivate or generate leads. Um, and it works out really well for both of them. As long as they have a good CRM. Correct. Yeah. And so obviously we're on the Resimply podcast, so we can be there for that. So, so you started, you built your, your agency now and you started kind of testing it. Were you doing it nationally at that point? Was it just specific to Pittsburgh? Like how did you kind of start to grow it? Yeah, we just started specific to Pittsburgh. Actually, uh, just in our county, which is Allegheny County. Okay. And then when we brought on a client, we would target their areas for them. Gotcha. So it's all custom on that side. Cool. So you were able to reverse it and say, all right, somebody's going to like say Charleston. Hey, we got a client in Charleston. Now let's start kind of going there. Yep, exactly. Gotcha. How many leads are you generating now on a month? Just roughly. Oh man, I figure, I don't know, like 500 or a thousand a day. So whatever that equals in a month. That's cool. That's really neat. Um, and are you, are you pretty much across the entire country now? Yeah, we're in most major metros. So the way yeah. it works is we'll bring on a client. So we do the paper lead now. We, we originally started doing custom marketing, which we still do. But on the paper lead side, we'll market uh, and it's constantly changing because people pause and unpause. But yeah. we'll only market in counties that we have clients in. So it's pretty much the major metros. Um, but there's still a lot of the country we don't don't market to. Gotcha. And so explain to the audience that they don't know what paper lead is, exactly what that means. Sure. Paper leads us we do digital marketing. So there's two different ways to market your business online, right? You can hire an agency to do custom marketing where you pay someone a monthly fee to run your Google ads or Facebook ads, and then you pay the ad spend on top. Well, I found there's two types of investors. There's investors that care about brand and want to do that way. And then a lot of investors say, Hey, I just want leads. I'm not trying to build a brand. So we came up with a, a program. It's pay per lead. There's no monthly fee, no commitments. You literally tell us which counties you want leads. We'll market on our dime in those areas, send them through our website. When we get a lead in your area, we send it to you in real time. So they fill out a form on our site. It's it, it's, we text you and email you within like two seconds. So this person's waiting for a phone call. So, and you're just paying per lead. It might cost $300 per lead uh, versus spending 1500 a month plus ad spending. You don't know what you're, you're just trying to get the most leads you can, but you don't know what the actual cost per lead is gonna be. Yeah. And what's cool about those are like you truly can get a deal from the first lead if you're lucky yeah no I, yeah yeah i mean but i'm right. saying it's, it's that that's that type of i mean it's just any marketing but it's really cool like you can turn it on and get a deal from the first one or not get a deal for the first 10 maybe i mean it all depends on how competitive how good you are at sales things like that but it's um i remember when i turned on paper lead the first time 
Um, I think we got super lucky and got like two deals out of our first six. Yeah. Um, But they, you know, they would come in. The first one we got was like July 4th. You know, nobody was, nobody was answering the phone. Nobody's doing anything. And this guy just happened to be in town um, handling his mother's estate on July 4th. And I remember I was sitting in my hotel room and the lead came through and I, I told my wife, I was like, all right, we just, I got to go. We got a, we got a phone call and it's a hot lead. So, and then, so the people pay the money, they get the lead. What qualifications determine a lead for you guys? So this, yeah, that's a good question too. Cause a lot of people just say name, address, phone number, email done. That's a lead. I'm looking more like, I want to know like why they want to sell, how fast they want to sell, how much uh, work their property needs. Is it owner occupied vacant? Confirm it's not listed on the market. We're putting them through multi forms or multi steps to try to increase the quality of the lead. So I look at it like, say we run an ad, we send them to a website. The website, in my opinion, is like the disqualifier. We try to make everything really direct. So it's like, uh, sell your house fast. We buy houses where uh, investors were not paying top dollar, but if you're interested, fill out a form. So we want the people that aren't serious to drop out right then. Then we ask them name, phone number, email address. So now we captured their information, but we don't consider that a lead yet until they fill out the next questions as well. Like I was just saying, like how fast, how much work, uh, things like that. Once that's done, press the submit button. That's a lead, sends to whoever's in that area in real time. And then uh, like you were saying, you just got to drop what you're doing. The lead comes in, speed is key. You have to drop what you're doing, call them and uh, try to make it work. You do, yeah, it's it's not one, it's it's not a lead you're like oh i just got a lead let me put it down you know i'm doing something it's you see that because if they're on the internet um for those of you that may not run seo or ppc if they're on the internet googling something to sell my house they're just going to go to the person who answers their phone yep and so you have to just drop what you're doing make the phone call and and kind of have a little bit of imperfect action because you're gonna starting the conversation i don't know how much information you guys provide it can kind of fumble through the first couple, you know, first couple conversations so you get used to it. Yeah, and what I see too that works really well, like a lot of guys, especially newer guys, get caught up on price when they're talking with sellers. They'll call them up and they try to get into price right initially. Yeah. Online leads, I found, so we ask you some of the information, like how much repairs, things like that, but find out what their problem is. Everyone calling has a problem. It's like, okay, and they're going to lie to you normally when you you try to find out the first time and you just have to keep probing. It's like, why do you want to sell? Like, what's going on? Like, why why aren't you listing on the MLS? Like, and then they're going to tell you. And then once you dive into it, then you just need to think and think creatively. How can I help them solve the problem? If you can figure that out, you make money, they win, and it's a win-win, you know what I mean? Versus yep. just trying to get properties under your belt all day. Was it buyers are liars, sellers are worse? Is that, yeah. is that the saying? Is that how it goes? Yeah, they'll, they'll tell you anything they can. Um, one question I've always had is somebody who has used a, a paper lead service, obviously there's no branding. So my company, we live by our brand in Charleston. Like uh, there's, I have a cartoon picture of me on all of our vehicles, on our trailer, like everybody knows who I am. But for these leads, I can't say, hey, I'm the Charleston house guy or something like that. How do you best, you just go straight into them in their house and instead of worrying about a company and, and all that kind of stuff or... Yeah, normally we'll just go into it and say, hey, you just filled out a form on one of our sites. Okay. Because And if you call them immediately, there's no disconnect. Like they literally just filled out a form and you're calling, so it makes sense. Um, our, our, our brands are generic anyways. Like you yeah. just cash offer, things like that. So it's not like it's a name that they're going to remember. Um, okay. 
but yeah, just like, hey, you just filled out a form on one of our sites, just calling uh, is now a good time. Gotcha. So that so that's simple because I know I've talked to some people and they get caught up and like, well, what company? Or, and I'm like, I don't I don't think it's that hard. I think it's just you call them. Hey, I just saw you filled out a form. Just want to connect with you um, about one, two, three Main Street and and, and kind of see how things are going. So right. And you figure too. You think about the sellers. If it's a motivated seller. They fill out a form. They're not concerned on the brand. They're concerned, hey, are you local? Are you going to really buy my house? Yeah. And are you trust like trustworthy and reliable? You know, like can you actually do it? Yeah. Yeah. No. It's it's it is. Can you can you perform? Are you real? They're not going to worry about you know worry about any of that other stuff. So right. Um. That's uh. That's really cool. I think I think that space that SEO online space is is really neat. Well, cool. So yeah. So you so you talk to the lead. You get to them. You know, just make it really quick. What is it? How much do you see you have to follow up with these leads once you kind of get them? So here's what I see. Out of 10 leads, uh, realistically, six of them are going to want too much money or are not going to be a fit. So it does make sense if you have other disposition methods other than just wholesaling and flipping. Um, okay. I know a lot of guys have success with novations, or if you're an agent, you can give them a top, of, top dollar offer and a cash yep. offer and just list it if it's too much. So six of them expect that. Six are going to want too much money. They're just not going to be a fit. Four of them end up being deals you'd want. Usually, lock down one of those, right? Yeah. Uh, what was the question you just asked again? Because that was like, how often do you have to follow up? Do you see like up. even even these super motivated leads coming from the website? Like, are these something that you're building long term follow up with, or they're usually making stuff pretty quick? Yeah. So, so the one out of ten is going to be not needing long term follow up usually. Got the it. The other nine. Well, it depends if you have the dispo message for the six or not. But the other nine, you're going to want to follow up. I just talked with a buddy of mine. Uh, it's April right now. He just closed the deal he had coming in October last year. Like the lead came in, in October. So you want to follow up with these guys. I think on average, you'd probably know better than me, Brandon, but I think it's like eight to 13 touches. Yeah. On a lead to actually convert. So if you don't have good follow-ups, things like that through text and email, which we simply can ha handle, but that's so important because all you're doing is take, if you're not following up with your people, you're following up for a couple of days, you're losing a ton of money on the back end. Yeah, I also saw, I've heard people um, talk about how much they follow somebody like the first week as well. What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it's preference on how your systems are built. I know I would hit them a couple of times in the first day. So here's what I do and here's what I okay. found and this may help people also. So I'm a marketer by trade and I just happen to invest, right? I got like 20 something properties. Not, I'm not yeah. like these guys doing a hundred deals a year. Yeah. But, what I've found is when a lead comes in on our site, we shoot an automatic text message immediately out to them, even if it's three in the morning, saying, thanks for filling out a form on our site. Here's a link to our calendar to book a time for an appointment for us to come give you an offer. So I'm, and I word it that way. I want them knowing we're coming to your house. I, I do that for two reasons. Number one, I want to gauge their motivation. Who's booking an appointment with a stranger to come to their house without talking to anyone, right? Yeah. And number two, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to cut that follow-up out because like you were saying earlier, if someone's on Google filling out forms, they go to the first one, then second one, then third one, they're filling everyone out. I want to pull them away from that, get them to book an appointment. So now they feel like they've accomplished what they needed and yeah. they quit filling out the, the competition. So what happens though? So we book that, that solves that one problem initially. So it'll save you on some of the follow-up. The other people though, you might, you might've not called them quick enough. And they hooked up with a uh, another investor that's maybe maybe a little greener. Yeah. But definitely follow up with them at number one 30 days later with a message like, hey, just following up. I know you wanted to sell your house. Actually, I guess this is a different follow-up. 
this would be one that you did talk with and they went with yeah. another investor follow up in 30 days to see if it closed yep a lot of times those fall out but follow up follow up's key like i'd hit them a couple times in the first day and just gradually get longer spaces between them because you don't want to be spamming people correct that first day is crucial gotcha and that's what i i, I remember when i first started i wasn't super aggressive in the first day i was just kind of like hey you know i'd give them a call and they didn't answer and then just kind of go off on my day and then I talked to people who were having much more success. I'm like, yeah, we'll call somebody or text or email, you know, and I consider all forms of their contact, email, text, phone call. Um, he's like, well, we might hit him up six or seven times in the day. Yeah. Um, and then and then kind of taper off from there. Yeah, and you know what else too? Um, that's a good point because people, like some people like phone calls, some people like text. Like you're gonna get me on text message, but I'm not gonna answer the phone and talk with you. Same. You know, but yeah, but if you get me on a text message, we'll talk for, whatever I, we can lock down a deal without talking yeah you know so it, it all depends on the person so if you give them all the different avenues to to communicate with you versus just calling or versus just texting um send all the messages uh call text and email you have a higher likelihood of, of connecting with people i agree and and the funny you say that connect with text i've had somebody try to call me this weekend while i was out of town I didn't answer any of it. And I never left a voicemail. They never sent a text. And then finally yesterday, uh, we were having our business meeting and a text popped through. And I was like, hey, I'm looking to sell my, or I want to talk to you about selling my house at such and such street in Johns Island. And immediately I sent him a text right back and it didn't work out, but it it went from me not answering my phone because I, I couldn't and I wasn't going to that weekend to all of a sudden he sent me a text and it was a wholesaler, but you know, it just shows like, had that text happen, you know, if I was that type of seller, then you would have communicated with them sooner. Right, and a lot of sellers, a lot of sellers online, at least in the digital space, um, some of them are just looking. They, they, yeah. they just typed in sell my house fast. Like they don't even know investors are out here. So they're just in the early stages. Um, and that brings up something different too, because there's different types of leads and all marketing channels are good if done consistently. So I just happen to do digital. But say like phone calls from mailers need handled a little differently than digital leads or SMS yeah. leads or cold call, things like that. So uh, you'll want to think about the experience of how you connected with that or how they're connecting with you. Yep. And so do you do any other types of marketing or you just live in the digital space only? Just digital. I used to do mailers, um, but the digital is the cost per, cost per lead and cost per deal was cheaper. It is, especially if you have the skill set that you have versus, yeah, you know, I, skills. So I know a lot of people, a lot of investors I talk to have a really good return on SMS. It's kind of risky. It's a riskier play. Yeah. Um, and it's like you're trading sweat or you're trading money. Correct. So you can do SMS and manage it. You might get a cost per deal, like a thousand bucks. Yeah. But you got to manage overseas and then you're risking like calling someone on a do not call list or texting them, I guess. Yeah, it's not fun. I have, uh, when we text, I definitely went through a couple instances with, I don't remember the type, what, government entity we got the letters from but we definitely got two or three letters and then i got one from any government entity yeah no and it was and it was funny i called the lady I, I got the letter in the mail and i called her and i and it was uh it wasn't even from a text it was from a postcard and uh and i was like somebody had filed a complaint and and you know i guess it could have had some legal issues down the road and so we talked and it, everything was resolved but then i asked her i said do the do people really get upset about a postcard coming to their house. And she's like, you have no idea. People call about Papa John's, people call about Home Depot, like all the little coupons that you get in the mail, like 
And she's like, that's just what I do every day. I just listen to these people complain about mail that they can just throw in their trash can. Yeah, you know what's crazy? When I I used to do yellow letters, right? Okay. And uh, I had the sheriff of one borough call me up. He's like, hey, this lady says you're harassing her. I'm like, dude, it's junk mail, pitch it. And some people will, will send you a letter back. I don't know yeah. if you got those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like- they'll get, they'll get pretty creative too, though. I've had them. I've had them cut letters up. I've had them write stuff on it. Write funny stuff on the front. Now we've definitely gotten some back. Yeah, um, it's crazy. But mailers work too. It's just everything's gonna work. You just gotta, especially like the new guys too. Just if you're gonna do something, do it consistently. Like, give it six months. Don't just try. Don't send one thing of mailers. And answer this. Yeah, and answer your phone. Yeah, but when your phone rings, answer it. That's money. Yeah, it it is. It is. We actually have. Um, my wife and I talked about it. I have a special ringer that rings and it stays on at all times for our lead source. And when that ring ringer comes in, everybody in our family knows that means money. So, and I'm, and I'm pretty diligent on like hanging out with my kids and my wife and we have times that we disconnect, but when that one special ringer comes on, that phone call is something that has to be taken at all times. And so, yep. um, cause we've learned like, we, we want to live the life that we want to live. And so there's days when I won't do anything all day that involves in real estate. And some days I do. And so I'm okay taking a phone call at seven o'clock at night, you know, a couple of times a week, if that's what happens. Right. Yep. Because, because when they want to sell their house, they want to sell their house. Now they don't necessarily want to wait and go to the next person. Exactly. So I want, I want to hear a little bit about investing. You only buy in one zip code. Yeah, just zip zip code I live in. So why why is it why is it is it do you manage your own stuff? Like is it why is it so specific? No, I managed it when I started and that sucked. Okay. Terrible. Um, yeah, no, I have I have two different property managers. Uh it's because I don't want to drive. It's okay. like I'm so busy during the day, I don't have time to drive more than five minutes to look at a property and then managing the crew things, which I have project managers now whenever we um rehab. Yeah. I just don't have time to drive there. because It's like 10, 15 minutes there. Then you're talking with someone for a half an hour. And then you're back. It's a whole hour wasted. Not wasted. Yeah. If you got to do 10 deals, like 10 leads to get a deal, there's 10 hours right there. I don't, right. I bought a property in a really nice neighborhood by me. And it was about a 25 minute drive. And I'm like, dude, every time I go there and I was managing the crew myself that time, I'm like, I'm going here three times a week, sucking up all my time. So ever since then, I never bought a property and I will not buy properties outside of my area for now, while I'm focused on motivated leads, because it's like, I got to be so structured and disciplined on time. That's awesome. I, I think that's super cool. And it's, it, and it makes your buy box and decision making very simple. Is it in such and such um, zip code? No. All right. Well, it's, you know, I'll either send it off somewhere else or refer it out or do something else with that. Yeah. And it is nice. You're right. Cause I, I can pretty much just buy sight unseen a lot of times just with pictures. Like, yeah. even if I don't have time to get there, I just send my guy be like, Hey, check it out. What do you think? And just because I know the I know the market so well here, yeah. But you can't scale something like this. Like like most no. investors, you got to be you got to be doing a whole city or bigger. You don't have to scale it. You know, to own. I talked about it with a buy and hold investor in our last episode. To own twenty homes, um, if you pay those homes off in 15, 20, 25 years, whatever mortgages you put on them, you don't have to work again the rest of your life. Essentially, you know it. it it's a slow grow to it, but it's, I like to look at buy and holds as like little savings accounts. And we've done, we own a house, a five minute walk from my house. And then we flipped one, maybe 
an eight minute walk from my house. And I'd say those are two of my favorite deals because it was easy to check on them. You know, they were right close to our house. Um, and those, those were really nice not having to get in a car and drive 30, 45 minutes traffic, dealing with all that stuff. Yeah. And you're right too. Cause I own a little over 20 properties as well. And the, the in 15, 20 years when they're paid off, that's, that's crazy passive income coming in. Correct. And also like you look at too, with some investors, I, I don't know if anyone's interested in this, but you got two different ways of investing. I look out on the buy and hold, you got cash flow, heavy cash flow, usually CD neighborhoods, more like ghettos. Yep. Um, and then you got like neighborhoods I invest in, they have cash flow. They, you still always want positive cash flow, but they don't have as much. But right. I buy a property for say hundred grand, put 30 into it, it appraises at 230. So I got crazy equity on that side versus I can buy properties in Pittsburgh for like 60 grand. Yeah. They'll spend off like 12, 1300 bucks a month rent. But in 20 years, that's still worth 60 grand. Yeah. <laughs> the value yeah. of the home doesn't change much. Yeah. You're getting all your, you're getting your money every month yep. in the cash flow versus so there's different approaches to each their own, you know what I mean? But yeah, and sometimes and sometimes your portfolios evolve. You know, sometimes when you first get started, it is buying that sixty thousand dollar house to get cash flow to get your first one, and then all of a sudden, five years later, you maybe pay it off or pay two or three of them off, and it's like, all right, now I'm gonna go buy a little bit nicer asset. Cash flow is a little bit less, but I'm in a I'm in a better area now. In your area and you know, areas like that, that cash a little bit less, you also can get lucky and get a little bit of appreciation as well. So, you know, these same properties you own for 15 or 20 years, not only have you cash flowed for 15, 20 years, somebody's paid off your mortgage. Hopefully they've all gone up in value as well. So your net worth and, and whatnot has changed. Yeah, they'll probably double. And I look at it too, cause I do the Burr method now. Like I, I couldn't do it initially. I had to take a loan and put 20% down, but now I'll buy it cash, put the money into it and I get all my money back. Like literally all my money back. So it's like you're getting free houses. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's that, that's, um, when you can get to that point, I mean, that, that's, it makes, it makes everything a whole lot better. So, yeah. so let's talk a little bit about marketing. So if I was a brand new investor, you know, I'm just kind of getting started. Where would you recommend somebody to kind of start with their marketing? If you were brand new, I would start with driving for dollars. Okay. Probably doing uh door hangers and just hustling. I'd probably talk with some agents and uh, just see if you can get any pocket listings. But if you're trying to wholesale, that's tougher um, because yeah. they're looking for the cash buyers. But yeah, I would I would mainly drive for dollars, uh, use some of the softwares out there like Deal Machine, things like that. Uh, and then the door hangers and just try to get in front of as many people. Also, Facebook groups are really good. Get involved in some of the Facebook groups. Say, hey, you know what? I'm looking to buy properties in wherever. People will hit you up, you know, and that's free. They do. And surprisingly, they do it. The more consistent you are, people do reach out. Um, I love my door hangers. I take them. I still, um, we've been doing this seven years. I have a, I can see my case of door hangers sitting right here in my office. And what we do is we do family bike rides and we'll take them and I'll hook them on everybody's bikes so that we have enough. And my kids will go up and we're, we're in areas where I'm completely comfortable with them doing it, but um, we'll, we'll ride around and put 10, 15, 20, um, door hangers on. And a lot of times, you know, a lot of people just call us back and tell us not to do it again. And, and, uh, but we have, we have gotten them from it. Yep. Yeah. So that's what I would say for starting out just because, and people just starting out too, the biggest things I talked to some new, new investors, just do it. Yeah. All these guys are like, oh, I got to make, I can't get it doing the X. I got to make a website. I got to get a logo. No one cares about your logo. You know what I mean? Just go out and start talking to people 
and find the deals and then worry about building a brand, things like that. Because a lot of people get tied up and oh, I got to make a brand. I need to set up an LLC, all this kind of stuff. It's like, no, go find a house. Yeah. Once you find a house, then you have a problem that you need to, you need to figure out how to do it, but you don't need the LLC to start doing that. You don't No. And especially your first, your first couple of deals. You can, I mean, you can do them in your actual name. I mean, right. it's not like it's the end of the world. Um, I remember the first couple of years, my wife and I had our business. People couldn't even say our business name. Like we didn't think through it. And I would talk to owners and they'd be like, B, it was, I have trouble even saying it. B&M Homes, Brandon and Maggie Homes. And to us, it was great. It was our, it was our initials. Nobody could say it. It didn't affect us buying any homes. Um, and then once we got some traction and made some money, that's when we created our brand that we have now. Um, and that's been a nice stepping stone to kind of to kind of go off of. Yeah, that's a good point you bring up there too, because a lot of people try to make, if you, if you think about this from a seller side, they're looking for the local guy down the road that wants to buy their house. A lot of people I see try to create a brand that looks like a bank. Yeah. It's really corporate too. And it's like, if a seller sees that, like, what do you think? The bank's going to come in and pound you. They're looking for Joe down the road that buys houses. That's a normal guy that's going to come up and fix it up and flip it and just do his thing. So when you're coming up with a brand like that too, you're like, keep it simple. It is. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, and again, we didn't want to, we wanted to invest just where we live, you know, out within the, the tri-county area of where we live. So we, I was like, I don't need anything that seemed to go to another state or make us sound giant. I want to sound like the guy when you call me, I'm going to show up at your front door. And that's exactly what we do. And, uh, and it's like, I have people in the gym. Hey, you're the guy with the wrap truck or I'll go to get my oil changed. And, and now it's starting to kind of build and compound off of it. And then we added digital marketing on top. And so then everybody started putting two, two and two together. Yeah. Yeah, everything wow. does kind of work well together too. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, once you can send a little bit of mail and do that kind of stuff, I think all avenues, um, you know, really kind of build off of each other. 100%. Do you do any PPC? Yeah, we do. Um, we're heavy in pay-per-click and also on Facebook. Okay, you do. Okay, I don't, I don't know anything about Facebook. So let's talk about that first. So you guys do like custom Facebook for other investors? We do. If you're not okay. doing Facebook right now, you need to be especially with your brand. Do you have a Facebook pixel on your website at least? I would say I do, yes. Um, we don't do any, I hired an SEO company. They rebuilt my website uh, maybe a month ago. I think we just kind of finished all of that whole thing. So I think, but I'm not. Uh, all right, here, I'll, I'll tell you why. So okay. especially you, because you're doing a lot of branding, right? Like you're doing- Yeah, we're all, we're, all, we're all, we spend, I legitimately spend $0 in marketing. Um, until we just hired this SEO company and we'll probably do 25 flips this year, all based on our brand. Right. And that, that's huge. So, okay. So here's how it works in a nutshell without getting too far into the weeds. Okay. Facebook has something called a Facebook pixel. Yep. Google also has a tag. And what that is, that's code you put on your website. So, you know, when you go onto a website, looking at a pair of shoes and it's following you around everywhere, mm -hmm. that's because of their tracking. So if, in, in this situation, you put the Facebook pixel on your website and then you set up a retargeting campaign. Anyone who comes to your website, you now live in their Facebook feed. So you can have right. testimonial videos sitting there for like five bucks a day, like super cheap marketing, but you can stay in front of these people that aren't ready yet. So Facebook works really well on a retargeting side. Okay. Um, and it also works, Facebook can work well and it can, it can suck. It depends on how you run it. So if okay. you're running Facebook ads, you need to run an ad 
they click it and it goes to your website that has to have like multi-step forms to kind of vet the people and you'll okay. get a good quality lead there. You might spend a couple hundred bucks. Facebook also has something called lead forms where someone clicks yeah. an ad inside of Facebook. It'll auto populate your info that Facebook has and they call that a lead. You might get a lead for 20 bucks, but those suck. Like we, we've yeah. found it might take you like, you might as well telemarket for the Facebook lead forms. They're, they're, the quality is just not there. Okay, I have heard I have heard of those. Okay. Yeah, so on the, on the um, but if you're doing any marketing, anyone that's doing any marketing, because what's gonna happen is they get a mailer and they see your thing and they Google you, they come to your website and then they don't do anything. You need to stay in front of them because the buying cycle is not there yet. Like they're just yeah. still research mode. But then you, what you can do is you can strategically put things in front of them. Like for the first 30 days, we're gonna put a testimonial video in front of them, like three testimonials. Next 30 days, we're gonna do something else and strategically put things there to build that credibility while they're in the info stage and staying in front of them until they're ready to pull the trigger. So can you funnel them through? Let's say, so let's say they go to my website, Facebook retargets them. They see my, my testimonial video on my Facebook. Let's say the testimonial video is one minute right. and they watch 70% of the video. Can you then say, all right, people who've watched X amount of the video now get a second, like a different layer or. Yep. Yeah. You can do multiple things. So you can do, um, you can build audiences in Facebook based on a lot of different things. So you can build it on people that come to your website, people that watch like 50% of your video or 70% of your video, um, people they called, people that filled out a form, and then you get to segment them. So you okay. can set up in your example here, maybe we'd set up a campaign for 50%. People that watch 50% or more or 75% or more of my testimonial video, but don't fill out a form. We want to show them the next video. Okay. And then once they cross that 75% threshold, they would now get get the next video and you can take them down a funnel on Facebook. Okay. And Instagram. It would be Facebook and Instagram. That's cool. Yeah. I, I don't do I I've always been like archaic with technology. I can do a bunch of and, and so it's it's always Facebook for some reason has always intimidated me. Facebook, pay-per-click, SEO. I um conceptually understand how they work and how to do it but then to go look at the the site and go to the back end uh, it's it's always been fairly overwhelming yeah it's a little caught like facebook makes yeah. it complicated too because there's like so you have to verify your domain you have to get yeah. a pixel set up create a business manager like there's a lot of steps especially if you're not tech savvy to do it yeah but retargeting is going to be your cheapest cost per lead out of any channel you have Okay. You're only showing ads to people that have been on your website already. Cool. So we may have to talk about that offline then, because I'm, I'm. It's something I think you know the way I build my business, and we talked talk a little bit about it, and how everybody builds them differently. You know, my goal is in two or three years to just have everybody just calling me. They know who I am. They've seen my testimonials, my videos, and the conversation's much easier because I, I don't like talking to a bunch of cold leads and and going through this really difficult sales process. I'm more just, hey, we saw your video, we saw that you've bought a couple homes in our neighborhood, or we've done X, we see your truck all over the place, we wanna sell our home here, and then we can offer them the options that we can provide to them. Right, do you get a lot of calls from the uh, wrap, wrap truck? I do. Do you? I do. And the calls I get from my truck are very urgent. Okay. They, they are, they're, they're like, Hey, my listing just fell through. My client's house is going through foreclosure. They have 15 days, you know, can you close now type thing? Like it, the, generally I don't get a lot of tire kickers from my truck. 
Um, those people will come up to my window. Like I'll be at a gas station and hey, I have a bunch of ideas or I'd love to pick your brain. Like those, those are more face to face. But when my truck calls come, those are generally a fairly urgent lead, honestly. How much does it cost to wrap a truck? So I have a, a four-door F-150 and I did what's called a partial wrap. Um, so they didn't color change it, but my my whole truck is wrapped, but still you can see portions of the color. And I think I paid like 13 or 1400 bucks. That's cheap. I always, I, I, I think it was an attorney marketing that did this before. They got with Uber drivers mm -hmm. and said, hey, we'll pay your car payment if we Ooh, go wrap. That's big. Yeah, you figure, cause, so you figure, okay, you spend 1300 bucks and you pay what's car payment, four or 500 bucks a month. Yeah. And they're driving around all day long. Yep. I, uh, I tell anybody, I was like, I will wrap anybody's vehicle in Charleston they want me to. And I will give them a specific number. I'll go to Resimply, give them their own number. And I have a friend in Kansas City who does it. Um, he just does stickers. He doesn't wrap. Um, but yeah, no, I've, I can, we have one right now. I just bought it last month. The true like net projected profit on it's like $95,000. And the guy called me and I was pulling my truck and trailer, about a 16 foot trailer and my truck. And he's like, you guys look, you're, it looked professional. I've inherited some money. I don't want to deal with him and his son had a bad relationship. And he's like, I don't want to deal with kicking my son out. He's like, I owe 105. If you'll pay me 110, it's yours. House is worth 330. And uh, and I was like, it just came in, but it came it came from our truck. I didn't track it all in the beginning. I can probably say that we've done close to 200 plus thousand dollars in profit from my wrapped vehicles. Yeah, that's worth it. I, I think yeah. people should do that. I, I don't I don't see any wrapped vehicles around here in Pittsburgh. There's there's a few. There's I've seen some trailers, but I don't see too many cars. And you get a couple. You know, my wife has gotten some some uh, phone calls about cutting people off driving, but surprisingly, it's not as many as you would think it would be. To me, it was a no-brainer. We did our first deal. I used to have a little sticker on the back of my truck that I buy houses cash, and we did like a forty-five thousand dollars assignment from that sticker. So obviously, the it paid for itself multiple times over. Right. And uh, and then when we changed our name, I just I was like, you know what? Let's just do it. I, I don't. There's no reason not to. Yeah, you have to send me a picture to check it out. Yeah, I do. I'll, I'll send you one and show you what it looks like. Nice. So, but um, but yeah, I, I definitely love learn more about the Facebook stuff because I think, you know, retargeting is is so key with everything. I didn't even think about taking them from our website to Facebook and 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 following them there. You know what? You need to be doing Google Pay per click too. And I have been burnt in pay per click. Well, like it, here, here's why I say that. So. so I don't mean you to do broad, but if you're doing what you're doing, you have to put a small campaign for your name. Because what's okay. happening is these grandmas are seeing it. They go to Google, they type it in, and they think that first ad is me. So your competitors are stealing your traffic. Anyone doing mail or uh, like billboards or uh, like even like the cars like you're doing. Yeah. Just stick up a campaign for like, I don't know, 10 bucks a day or something. And bid on the different variations of your name. Don't even go for the target, like the broad keywords that are expensive. Just at least uh control control your brand i didn't i didn't even think about that because if if somebody were to google charleston house guy they, they were good they're going to get ppc leads at the top and then we'll come below that and they're going to call that lead 
they, they're first, whoever they click up, they're thinking it's you. Yeah. You know, so they're thinking they're getting a hold, they're trying to get a hold of you and you're just not there. So yeah, I would, I'd recommend at least do those. And those are cheap. They're not super expensive. Like it's not like building out a full blown campaign. You have to have a ton of ad spend. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've been PPC and me have a sensitive or a sore subject with each other. So yeah, it's expensive. Um, it, it's expensive. It's everybody does it a little bit different. And, and it's just like the pay per leads that you were talking about. It's super time sensitive. But the problem is like with the paper leads, at least if you get a bozo lead, meaning they don't own the property or something like that, you know, your company is going to give them some kind of refund where pay-per-click, you're just lost a couple hundred bucks. Like there's no, there's no getting around that. Yeah. Paper lead makes sense for people with larger ad spend budgets, paper lead. Like I'm talking larger, like 10, 20 grand a month or, or over paper yeah. lead makes sense for most investors because the risk isn't there. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like you're talking about, cause you're doing paper clip, paper click campaign wrong. Some clicks might be a hundred bucks. And if it takes you 10, 20 clicks to get a lead, like your lead cost is really expensive. And then it could be someone looking for, find out how much your house is worth. Correct. Or something, yeah. just a bozo lead, you know? Correct. Now I've, we've, the last pay-per-click company that we used, um, I remember we set up an Excel sheet and we went through and we would put every lead, I put all the information in and talk to them. And, and it took us, it took us like two and a half, three months to get our first deal from it. Finally, we finally did get a deal from it and we did well on the deal, but that was it. Like nothing else came after nothing else. And, he, and even, cause I was like, this is the perfect lead. You know, obviously you could see what keywords they are, what, what they Googled and, and some other stuff. And, but I know people who just crush pay-per-click. That's all they do. They do very well with it. Um, I know Google's constantly changing. And so it's something you have to, you know, either understand yourself or hire an agency to stay on top of it constantly. Right. Because if you just set it and forget it, it will burn that credit card and not think twice about it. Google's job is to make the most money for their company. Correct. Yeah. And, yep. and the thing with Google, that's really um, that a lot of people don't understand and why you can spend a lot of money. Google doesn't know the difference between a motivated seller and someone wants to sell their house. Correct. So recommendations when you're running a campaign, if you click that apply recommendations, they're adding keywords in there like sell your house, which isn't going to get you the right audience. We need keywords like sell your house for sell your house fast, sell it for cash. Yeah. It's really fine line there on getting MLS leads versus investor leads. And I liked what you talked about to go back a little bit, having that kind of three steps of your website disqualifying the lead, mm -hmm. you know, cause it, it's like, Hey, You've clicked on it. We've got some information. Then we've got your name, phone number, email, which if you capture on your website is great in general. But then it's that third step. Hey, we are not going to pay you retail. We're not going to do these things. Are you still interested? How fast are you selling? Because, um, you know, hopefully that deters people from from tire kicking and wasting a bunch of time as well. Yeah, here's another tip for you too that um, can help even qualify them and educate the consumer on your thank you page after they fill out a form, yeah. number one, have a book a call, like same thing for the calendar. But yeah. then underneath that too, make a video. Say, hey, you know what? Thanks for filling out a form on our site. Here's what to expect and lay it out. It's like, hey, someone's gonna be calling you. The first call is to whatever, find out about your information. If yeah. everything looks like a good fit, we're gonna set up a time to come to your house. Like educate them because it pulls their guard down. They know that first phone call, you're not gonna be trying to hardball them. 
correct. You know I mean, so things like that too, the whole experience the whole way through, that, that's a pretty good tip on that side because that people can implement because just break it down for people so that because you figure sellers dealing with problems they, and they're just trying not to get ripped off. Yep. So just educate them as much as you can. I think we do that on our website similar as like, hey, here's our four step process. You know, you fill out the form. I don't know if it's on our thank you page, um, but it's like, hey, you fill out the form. I'm going to call you, which we're very specific that that I am the person who's going to reach out to you. Then we're going to come to your house. We're going to make you an obligation offer and then and then kind of, you know, go through that process. But what are you going to do when you want to scale? Huh? I don't want to scale. No, no, no. We we my wife has a really successful um, staging business and Airbnb um, installation business. Oh, nice. So we have her business and then flipping. I honestly, I like to be the opposite. I would like to find one zip code and and have a handful of homes a year versus versus doing it. Uh, yeah. We we talked about it a minute when I had that brain fart, but my like truly what I love doing. I like the health and fitness side of the world, but I like I like doing uh, crazy races. So I did my Nashville marathon. I'm doing a thing called Hell in the Hill next month, which is the hilliest half marathon. So that's you know so real estate affords me the ability to do those kind of things but what's a marathon that's like 26.8 or something there 26.26.2 that's a lot of running it is it is yeah my left calf still is is i'm paying for that there but you get shin splints all of them i got shin splints calves hamstring so i was telling my trainer this morning my first step in the marathon i took a step and my right calf just like nodded just a little bit uh, and, I was, and I was, and we, in my like little group that I'm in that we do this stuff, the, the question isn't, will there be pain? It's just how soon will the pain come? And you right. just kind of get your, I was like, well, we're hello at mile or at first step. So yeah, good uh, for you, man. No, just for doing it. That, that's some hard stuff. I appreciate it. But yeah, I, we, I was, I did like some hedge fund stuff. I've seen scale. It doesn't, it doesn't interest me at all. I don't. Um, I want to hang out with my kids, play golf and run races. So yeah, cool. that, that's what it is. But it, it's so I, I, I that's why I loved kind of like the brand we built. Nice. But, well, cool deal, man. Well, I've had a blast chatting with you. So we do have this little thing that we do at the end. Um, we ask for uh, the four pillars of Resimply, which are sales, marketing, data and ops. And we want to kind of get your one thing, if you could just do one thing in those four categories, what would be your advice to a fellow investor? So to, to pick one of the four categories. No, no, no. I'm going to ask you one, one thing for each category. So right, let's do it. So, so for marketing, what would be your one piece of advice for marketing? For, let's say a newer type investor. Start doing it. Start doing it. Yeah. Start. Don't think about it. Start doing it and start doing it really. If you can't afford it, do something real small. Like, like go buy door hangers. You can buy like 250 door hangers for maybe a hundred bucks. Yep. Go start really small and just do it. Like that's my number one advice. Get out there and take action. Love it. How about sales? Sales, uh, listen, talk 20% of the time, let them talk 80% of the time and try to find their problems and, and care. Like give a crap about the person. I, lo I love that, care about it. Yeah. And then uh, how about data? What kind of data do you like to see and understand in your business or recommend to other people? All of it. Like take the data. Try, what I would say, if you're starting out and you're an investor, track your KPIs intensely. Um, and what I would do is track your KPIs 
back to the time that the lead came in. So a lot of, a lot of investors will say, Hey, you know what? It's April. I just had a huge month and they count that for April track the lead source back to the attribute it back to the first day it came in and always look at your market and be like, no, that's a November deal. What was I doing in November and track it back so you can try to replicate where they came from and do it that way on your KPI sheets. Smart. Cause everybody focuses on the month. They made the money. Look at the month the lead came in. Right. And, and, and then from a growing your business, you know, uh, operational standpoint, obviously yours, you have a digital one. What do you recommend, you know, people that are trying to, to create systems and whatnot in their business, um, they start doing. So for systems, I use Trainual and okay. I, and I still have problems with this because we grow, we're, we grew really fast and we're still growing. Uh, but for what I've found is have zoom meetings with your team over loom meetings a lot. You'll get a lot more out of that record them and record things whenever you're explaining it record it once and put it into train or wherever you want to store it so you don't have to train again and then also uh, i we just started using predictive index when hiring yep. people try to find try to put processes in to try to get the right people in the right seats versus bringing people in and then finding out three months later predictive index is cool because it'll kind of like give you a little bit about their personality and how they're built to see if people are built Everyone's built for a role. And if you get the right person in the right role for them, they're going to crush it. And the right yeah. person in the wrong role, they're not. So try to find out what that role is for that person and put them in the right place to start. Key, right people in the right seats. Yep. So awesome, Brian. Well, where can people find you? Um, where can they find your company? Like, where can they reach out to you? Yeah, sure. So you can find me. It's motivatedleads.com. And we also have, for the newer investors, a Facebook group called Flip Club like fight yeah. club, but it's for flip, yeah. you know? Gotcha. Well, awesome, dude. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll definitely connect about some of this Facebook and, and uh, some of this other stuff as well. Sounds good, man. Thanks for having awesome. me. Yes, sir.